Yeah, and if you're Gonzaga, you gotta score, man. You gotta find easier ways to score. I mean, if you look at if you look at Baylor, they 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 were they had great ball movement, and even if they were going one on one, they were getting easier shots, and they were get, they're crashing offensive glass and getting second chance points. Right. So if if you can win that rebounding battle and get those second chance points, um, the odds will definitely be in your favor. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. Now you can finally have the Apple product times the Apple guys. That's right, from AirPods to iPhones to MacBooks to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more. Now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off. That's right, 20% off on any Apple item. Visit Opulent Inventory, Nash and Guardian. Those are great guys on all social media platforms and on Instagram. Now, let's head back to the show. And we are here inside the studios of WNSC Radio. Woo! Boy, Mike, talk about a performance Monday night. Sheesh! Baylor, the Bears of Baylor, claiming their first national title in program history and their second ever title appearance since 1950. What a performance there for sure. The Sebu Podcast Radio Show. Right here, only viewed on WNSC Radio inside of WNSC Studios. Myself and a familiar cast, my ride partner, Michael Gray. What's poppin', G? Yes, sir, man. Peace and love. Everything's going well. I mean, you know, uh, it's been a great great morning so far. It's, a beautiful, it's been beautiful weather up here in the Tri-State. Got some good sun this morning. Nice workout. Um, everything's going good, brother. How's everything going for you? Everything is well. Everything all is well here. We're in good spirit, good health, yep. achieving wealth. That is the mantra there for sure. Who boy, Mike, what a beat down by the Baylor Bears. That's all we can say. Um, we'll go ahead and uh, talk about them later on with our featured guests today, what the Baylor Bears did in dominant fashion on Monday night. But we start our conversations today with the NBA, the National Basketball Association, lots of things have been going on, Mike. Last night, we witnessed a dandy, right? The two best teams in the NBA, record-wise, that being the Suns and the Utah Jazz, and the two best teams in the Western Conference at number one and number two in Phoenix. Phoenix already went in the first meeting in Utah against Utah. Yes, they held them to a season low. They had a rematch last night in the desert in Phoenix, and we were treated. It was as advertised, Mike. We were treated to a good one. In overtime, the Phoenix Suns propelling 117 to 113. Donovan Mitchell and Booker. The two stars did not disappoint either, Mike. 41 for Mitchell in a losing effort. 35 for Devin Booker. Even Chris Paul pitched in 29. And it had all the social media asking, did he use some of that Space Jam stuff <laughs> that he did with LeBron James for the Space Jam movie coming up later on this summer? But now, a great win for the Phoenix Suns. Mike, Monty Williams had his team ready. And don't look now, but the Phoenix Suns are 2-0 and this season against the Utah Jazz. Maybe a small sample size, but definitely something that they can use to get gain some momentum heading to the postseason. 
Yeah, it definitely is. And the way the Phoenix Suns are playing is, is, is spectacular. I think some of us are taking it for granted how the growth of this Phoenix Suns team. We've literally watched this team grow from years and years of, you know, losing and going through that maturation process to now they're a team that's in the in, a, in the championship conversation and at the top of the Western Conference and with a record of 36 and 14. It was a great win last night because it was a great show of resiliency uh, for this team and just an, an, another adversity test in a close game that gets them closer and closer to the playoffs. Devin Booker was sensational all game long scoring the basketball. Chris Paul has been Chris Paul. He's just, he's the ageless wonder. He's aging backwards, and, he, and he's dominating basketball, and he's, been, he's making a huge impact on his team. And this guy, DeAndre Aiden, is playing some great basketball, uh, uh, averaging almost a double-double, if not a double-double, and had a great game last night in the paint, on the boards, and things like that. So uh, I like the growth and maturation of this team, but um, it, it's, it's amazing how fast they've grown so far. Um, just watch this team. But the Utah Jazz, they, they, um, they, they, they struggled early in this game, putting the ball in the hole. And it came back to hurt them late in this game because if they were even to make half of the shots that they made in the first quarter, they probably would have won this game. Um, it, it took a valiant effort early early on in this game to shake off that rust. But, yeah, games like this are, um, you know, potential Western Conference playoffs matchups. And you, you just you just, you love to see these throughout the regular season because these guys get up for games like this. And we, we ran for a special treat. Speaking of DeAndre Ayton, 18 and 12 himself, the, Utah, uh, the, the Phoenix Suns, excuse me, out-rebounded the Jazz by seven on the glass. You don't really see that. And they out-rebound them on the offensive glass by nine points. DeAndre Ayton having four of those offensive rebounds. They they really uh, controlled uh, rim protecting last night. Um, something else that stood out to me, Mike, too, is um, Monty Williams got these guys playing defense. They've bought in. Fourth in the NBA and, obviously, uh, opponents' field goal percentage. They're fourth ranked overall. This team, they I can't remember the last time us ever think talking about Phoenix and defense in the same sentence, which is crazy. But last night you saw even a Devin Booker getting on a getting low on a defensive stance. You you see guys that not are not really guys that buy into defense, but Cameron Payne, um uh Johnson, Cameron Johnson, who's not really known as a defensive prowess guy, but a, a, a more of a three-point shooter, but he's getting in and, and starting to dig in. But I think the additions of Crowder and Chris Paul as a leader, and we know how great he is as a defender too, I think these guys are starting to buy in. They're starting to buy in, Mike, and it gets contagious. When you see – when you're playing pickup ball, you see one guy playing defense, and then you see another guy playing defense, and they're moving sideline to sidelines in cohesion. You just you, – you, 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 you can't help but to buy in too. And I think the Phoenix Suns are buying in. Yeah, no, they're buying in, and that's a culture. It's a culture that's been built over time, and – you're starting to see the full culmination of it. It started in the bubble last year, um, and, and and they came out this year with that same intensity with a veteran leader like Chris Paul, who's a on, who's a, 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 a player's coach and a coach on the floor, and that's always key for a top level team is, who, is who's that guy that can be that coach on the floor. And Chris Paul is that guy for them, and he's got these young boys playing hard, and and they're, they're by then. Then it's a lot of alphas on this team, it's a lot of hungry guys on this team, and and they've definitely shaped the culture, and you're you're seeing it come to fruition. We'll see how far they go this year, but Phoenix for the future is uh, is, is is definitely on the right. Speaking rise. of Chris Paul, there's not really a, a, enough we can say about this guy, obviously. You can say whatever you want about Chris Paul, but this guy brings results. You look at every team that he's been in, New Orleans, the Clippers, uh, uh, Houston. You look at the Oklahoma City, and now <clears throat> being a member of the Phoenix Suns, they every team Chris Paul has been in, they've gotten better. Regardless of what he's done in the postseason, some of those has been hiccups and, and bad performances, but some of those has been injuries. But for every team that Chris Paul has been in, they've gotten better. Getting drafted by the Hornets turned that franchise around. He turned the entire landscape of the Western Conference with Lob City and DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin when he was a member of the Clippers. Going to Houston, they were a win away from going to the NBA Finals. And then Oklahoma City, a team that was picked, Mike, and preseason to be a lottery pick. They finished fifth in the Western Conference. And now he's got the second-seeded Suns rising high. And, and, and for a guy like that, there's really not a lot that you can you – can, people take for granted how good this is. This is a guy that's going to be a future Hall of Famer, first ballot, Mike. And earlier on this week, he joined Steve Nash, John Stockton, Magic Johnson, and IT as the only guards to – have 10, 500, 10 plus assist games. Put that into perspective, Mike. You got to be playing a lot of basketball to do that. 500 games of 10 yeah. plus assists. Just a, a, a magician with the rock and, and, 
and just his the cerebralness of his IQ for basketball. It's it's extraordinary. Yeah, that's a, that's a, over a little bit over six and a half seasons worth of a, of games where where you have had double digits assists in your career. Most most players don't even last six years mm-hmm. in the NBA. That's impressive. You know, that's very impressive. And it just it's a testament to his IQ, his leadership, and uh, you know how 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 on and off the court how he takes care of himself, how he uh, how you know with the plant based diet and uh, you know just um just, just work, always committing himself in the off season to to getting in the best shape possible. And then you, his leadership on the court and his IQ is always gonna put him in a great position because he's that type of player. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised at all that we see the impact that Chris Paul has on every team that he's been to, and he will go down He will go down as one of the greatest point guards that has right. ever lived. Chris Paul as well joins Mr. LeBron James and also, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Michael Jordan, and also the great George Gervin. That's a name we don't talk about a lot, too. Those three guys, he joins that elite class right there, only guys to have 9,000-plus assists and also – uh, 1500 plus steals that 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 speaks how great this guy really is um other big news in the nba mike we know that the los angeles lakers they're, they're <laughs> we brought it up last 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 week that they're gonna have some hiccups here and there going up without uh lebron james and anthony davis and um we saw what, how their performance against the, against the clippers they they mailed it in it wasn't a big performance they did bounce back against the raptors but it's Ooh, tough yeah. splitting right now for the Los Angeles Lakers. Remember last week when I was talking about this, they were uh, at four. Now look at that. They're at five. It wouldn't surprise me next week if we talk about the Lakers again that they dropped to six. It's 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 going to be tough sledding for this team. It is. It is, especially as they, as, as they continue to lose. Teams in the West are continuing to get better. You got teams like the Dallas Mavericks who are, have been on a tear lately. The Denver Nuggets with what Nikola Jokic is doing. I mean, my goodness. He's having one of the best seasons I've ever seen. And the Nuggets are trending and starting to win games on a more consistent level. You have teams in the West that are getting better and better and capitalizing off this opportunity. And, you know, the Clippers, of course, they're doing what they do. So, uh, yeah, it's going to get tough for them. It's going to get tough, and it's going to put even more pressure on Anthony Davis and LeBron James when they get back. But then again, like I said, the seeding isn't the biggest thing for them. It's all about, the, 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 it's all about you know, making sure they're healthy when they get to the playoffs and everybody's at full strength and, and they have enough chemistry throughout the regular season to, uh, where they've implemented Andre Drummond and stuff. But as far as seeding is concerned, I'm not all too worried about this Lakers team because no matter where they rank in the one through eight, there's not too many teams that could beat them. Now, you don't want to fall all the way down and have to worry about potentially playing one of those one seeds in the first round. You want to wait for the way later on. But, you know, for the most part, outside of that, I don't see that happening. So this Lakers team is going to be one of those teams where he, no matter what seed, uh, what seed they get, they, they should, should rank. If they were dropped to six, wouldn't we like that? All L.A. first round match, Clippers and Lakers. That would be interesting there for sure. But, Mike, I thought about this. Um, this is something interesting. I, I, and, and you know me, I, I think about things – sometimes outside the box, and I thought about this. You mentioned the the Denver Nuggets, who are rising high, and they are rising really high. Right now, Embiid, I know he's back, but look, man, Nikola Jokic has catapulted for me on my MVP ladder. I think he's he's it's his to, it's his to lose right now. He's my MVP. Uh, at, at, currently, he's in the lead spot right now. Harden is knocking on the door. We'll see if he gets back quick. Um, I, I think LeBron, because of his injury and Embiid and his injury, they got to gain they got to gain some some momentum back. But right now, Jokic, I mean, the man is a problem. But let, let's focus on this because you brought up the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. And I thought about this, Mike. I thought about this because Denver, you look at their roster, Murray, Jokic, now with the addition of Gordon, you add Will to throw Barton to that and then off the bench, Morris and MPJ. And, come on, they're loaded, Mike. And then you look at the Jazz, only team in the NBA, top three in defense, top three in offense, right? I thought about this, and it reminded me of something. And then I said to myself, I said, Jazz over Denver in the regular season, but give me Denver over Utah in the postseason. Obviously, we saw what happened last year, You know, Utah blowing that 3-1 lead and stuff like that. I think they're a far better team this year. But I said, Denver over Utah in the postseason, but I, I, I will admit Utah over Denver in the regular season. Here's why. I remember back-to-back years, right? This reminds me yeah. of a team that won 60-plus games. Back-to-back years, they were top 
top three on offense, top three on defense, and then they struggled in the postseason and second round exit, right? You know what this team reminds me of, Mike? This team reminds me of I, the I, I think the Utah Jazz are the Bucks of the Western Conference, and I'll tell you why. Because it, here's why. Now it's not an 82 game season, but if the, if it were an 82 game season, we're projecting that the Jazz would win up towards 60 plus games. We would agree with that, right? But top Close. top three in offense, top three in defense, much like the Bucks have been in the last two seasons. They've got a guy who can put the ball on the hole, who, you know, I mean, just like Giannis is on the other side for these guys. But what it reminds me of, and this is why I correlated, I said they're the Bucks of the Western Conference is because in the regular season, they're going to outscore teams because they have a great home court advantage. I mean, in Utah, they've got the fans, even without the fans. It's just hard to play in Utah. You got altitude. It really tests, Mike, your endurance, your stamina, running up and down the court because of high altitude that is, right? We talk about Denver like that, but Utah's the same. But I brought that up because in the regular season, they get up on you quick, and then I've seen Utah games, Mike. You're down 15, 20, the game is over. They're blowing teams out like 30 and and, and 20, much like the the Bucs do in the regular season. But in a seven-game series in the postseason, when teams get to game plan, for Giannis, the game plan for uh, Donovan Mitchell, or game plan for Rudy Gobert. We saw this last year with what, what, what the Denver Nuggets did. They put Jeremy Grant and, and more length against Donovan Mitchell, and it bothered them. So it reminds me of a simil- similarity. Whereas with the Denver Nuggets, I, I think they're, they're more of a team that's geared to make a deeper postseason run. So if, food for thought, Mike. Utah over Denver in the regular season, but give me Denver over Utah in the postseason because Denver has something that they have mismatches that they can exploit. Jokic himself, it can 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 beat you in many ways. He can beat you in that block, but he can also beat you passing with how great he is with his IQ. Murray can beat you himself. I think they've got more weapons around them. Now you got MPJ come to his own. And then now Jokic demands so much, you know, focus, double, triple teams that, Guys like Barton and, and Gordon gets off. So Denver over Utah in the postseason. This reminds me of Utah, the Milwaukee Bucks version of the Western Conference. That's an interesting take. And, um, you know, I, I see where you're coming from, too, uh, for, from that perspective, too, because of how you, how Utah looks in the postseason compared to, you know, their, their, their dominant stretches in the regular season. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, because at the end of the day, Bill Russell said it best, Sevy the game will always come down to being able to get mm-hmm. a bucket and for multiple facets. And Denver has players that can get a bucket on multiple facets and they have a big that's able to get them, that's able to get them the ball from all, all, all levels of the game in the half court and on the offensive set that that's how skilled this guy is. Nikola Jokic is one of the most I've ever seen since I came right. Elijah Wan. That's he's the greatest passer I've ever seen as a center too. He's he's special, man. I mean, the season that he's having this year as a big man, Sebi, he's all he's an assist away from averaging averaging in a triple double. No center in NBA history has ever averaged more than average ten assists in a season. It's never happened. This is what historic what, what Nikola Jokic is doing right now. But um, you you're absolutely right. But they have bucket getters. You have Michael Porter Jr. You have Will the Thrill Barton, who was injured last year. I mean, you, you so many Jamal Murray, of course, who knows how to turn it up. In, in the playoffs and, and, and in big moments. You just got so many bucket getters on this team. You struggle to wonder when Donovan Mitchell gets those double teams, who is going to be the one to, to help him out. Now, you, you could have a situation where it's, it's similar to the Dallas Mavericks in 2011 against the Miami Heat or in, just in, in general that playoff run where you had Dirk Nowitzki dominating, but you had other pieces around them that took turns uh, being the second guy. One time it was Jason Terry. Another time, you know, it could have been Sean Marion. Could have been Jason Kidd going off. JJ Bray. It's, it's, it has to be. A, if, if it's not going to be a two a two man streak where two guys are going off for you, or potentially three, it has to be a, a collective effort from everybody. So Mike Conley is going to have to turn back the clock some games. Uh, it's going to be some games where uh, Bogdanovich is going to have to be that guy scoring the ball for them this year when he's healthy. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to have to be that collective effort because when you take away Donovan Mitchell, there's no real offensive threat. That they had that teams have to worry about in the playoffs, um, from a you know from from a creative perspective. So, that that's why Denver I agree would have the edge over Utah in that sense. 
and that's also part of the reason why Utah looks as dominant as they do in the regular season is because they they don't have the playmakers per se. I, I, obviously, Jordan Jordan Clarkson is on there as well, but outside of that, in your starting lineup, you need other guys that can get a bucket consistently, like Mitchell is, or you need a collective effort, and you just you just haven't seen that from them these last these last few seasons in the playoffs. Yeah, I would definitely agree there with you. I thought about Phoenix too, but we can't really can't really evaluate Phoenix. They've never been, they haven't been in a playoff for such a long time. Um, and I want to see how Chris Paul, Booker, and Aiton are um, in the postseason. So when teams get to yeah. game plan for them. So I, I can't really evaluate Phoenix. But yeah, that, that Utah evaluation was was quite accurate, Mike, because they, they get up on you, man. The other day, I know it's the Orlando Magic, and I understand that, you know, they, they, they've got a G League team in an NBA uniform, but these guys were up 38 a half, right? Even last night, yeah. Mike, they struggled. They had 41 points in the first half uh, against Phoenix, but in that third quarter, they put up almost 40. So, I mean, this team is, like, it, it's it's crazy. Um, so, it, but in the postseason, when, when, when the defense gets tight and the officiating gets you know, closer. They let guys uh, play play it out a little bit more. I want to see what happens. Now, for Utah, they do um, they do have guys that can put the ball on hope, right? Clarkson is a guy yeah. that is probably going to be the sixth man of the year. Bogdanovich wasn't in the in the uh, uh, playoffs last year. Uh, that's, that's a 20-plus yeah. score that they would have definitely needed. That was huge. Yeah, to yeah. blowing that 3-1 lead. So, we'll see what happens this year, but it's, it's, it's food for thought there. Let's go to the Eastern Conference, right? Biggest news, obviously, is the new, is, is, is what the Brooklyn Nets are doing, right? Uh, Kevin Durant yep. being back in his first game after missing 23 games. Kyrie and, and, and Harden has, has hold the fort down. They really have, Mike. Um, that has catapulted Harden's to a top three guy in MVP. But obviously, he's gotten hurt. Now, more assignments for Kyrie, more assignments for KD. LaMarcus Aldridge, Mike, I, he's he's been huge right now, especially as a low post uh, uh, threat for the Brooklyn Nets and also Blake Griffin as well. So, I mean, Mike, <laughs> I, it, it's hard to evaluate the Brooklyn Nets, too. They get up on you and then you look at the second quarter, you're down 20. The game is over. So um, it, it, it's championship or bust for the Nets. But my, I, I worry about the Nets, Mike, because they haven't had adversity yet and i think they need to go through some adversity heading to the postseason so it's going to be interesting they they, they have a, a a strong test coming up in their um in the, in the latter part of the last about 20 games of the regular season it's a strong test with some competitive teams on that list and you'll see a lot of adversity but this team um you, you may not have seen them go through a lot of adversity as far as this season uh competitive wise but you've seen them go up against adversity in their careers. And, they, and th- these are a bunch of battle-tested brothers that are, that are ready, hungry. I mean, you, you think about all the guys. Of course, KD, battle-tested. Kyrie, battle-tested. Harden, battle-tested. Blake, LaMarcus. These are guys that have been in high-level matchups, and they've gone through the, uh, the, they've gone through, um, the experiences and, and, and the trials and tribulations throughout this league. And, and, and they, they've definitely been battle-tested, you know, just, just, just throughout time. You know, so this team coming together – all the motivation in the world because there's some guys that, you know, were uh, talked down upon in the media is concerned as far as, you know, they're done. The Wash, Blake, not doesn't have it anymore. LaMarcus is not that all-star player. These are all guys that have come together, and, and it's a culture in this in this Brooklyn Nets locker room. That's actually fascinating to watch, uh, Sebi. They allow these guys to be themselves. They allow these guys to do their thing. It's a lot of alpha energy in this locker room from, from, from the coaches all the way down to the players. Everybody holds each other accountable. Uh, you, you don't see any of the outside noise trickle down to the court and see, seem to bother anybody in that locker room. That's a close-knit family unit, tight unit. They're building a certain culture over there. And on the court, I mean, when you think about the skill level on the court, on a night-to-night basis, whether Harden is out right now and KD and Kyrie is there, it doesn't matter who's out as far as the big three. Somebody's going to be on the court, and that's the biggest thing, you know, because Harden has been logging a lot of minutes especially, uh, you know, throughout this season with Brooklyn. He's been about almost 40 minutes a game, if not over 40. So the fact that he even gets these 10 days off, I know he's hurt a little bit, but he needed that just for his rest to get him ready for the season because of how he's been carrying the team with KD being out. So it's just like, it's like a rotation of turns, uh, you know, with, with injuries and stuff like that. But it's also a, a chance for these guys. They all get ready 
all all level out and, and bounce back for the playoffs and lock in for that because that's the biggest tool. You know, at the end of the day, if they were to win the championship, no one's going to care about the process throughout the regular season. They're going to care about what happened in the postseason with these guys and, and the run to, to a championship. So right now they're looking like a team that, yeah, yeah, there are injuries taking place, but at the end of the day, gearing up for the playoffs, getting these guys right, locking in when you have three of the best scorers in the league, chemistry isn't the number one, isn't, isn't my number one issue. It's just making sure these guys are healthy on the court. Because if they're on the court, my goodness, you see the type of show that they can Right, right, on. definitely there. A team that can be a strong contender standing in the Nets way of getting to the postseason is the Philadelphia 76ers. And sadly, it was to the expense of my Boston Celtics. I mean, Joel Embiid, Mike. This oh, guy, man. this he's, guy he's right here, he is he is what I thought he should be, right? That the potential this now we've seen Joel Embiid's game unlock. And and I think that's a big difference on coaching. People think coaching is underrated. Brett Brown and Doc Rivers. That that's the that's the difference. Brett Brown would want Joel Embiid to take a, at least four or five three-point attempts. Doc said no. You are you are a clone of Hakeem Olajuwon and Shaquille O'Neal. You should be dominating on that block. And Mike, I mean, he's listened to that advice and he has absolutely annihilated people in that paint. I mean, this guy, look, double teams, triple teams. And then you can't do that with Philly now. Now they have shooters, streaky shooters, not not, not volume shooters. But when they get hot, they can get really get rolling. But Joel and B, Mike, he's got his mind made up. Uh, you know that song, you got my mind made up, and you <laughs> he's got his mind made up. He's he's going to the rim. He's going to the rim. Less three-point attempts and more uh, uh, elbow to foul line attempts. That's that's what Doc Rivers and this staff has drilled in the brain of Joel Embiid. And boy, he he displayed that against my Celtics on Tuesday night. Five points. Dominant, Mike. He, he definitely did. He got to the free throw line about 20 times, if, if I'm not mistaken. But he knocked down about 80% of them. So it was, yeah. it was, it was, it was tough sledding for him. So um, they, 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 they definitely made it physical for him because it was just nothing they could do inside with him. I mean, he, he looked like his old MVP dominant. So that's how dominant he's been this entire season, which is why, you know, he was the leading candidate in most people's eyes as the MVP. Um, you know, Joel Embiid, he's, like you said, he stayed in the box. He dominated the paint. And sometimes, like, you brought up a great point, Sevy, about – this is the player that, you know, you thought he should be. And, and rightfully so. Most people, most projectors had him being this dominant early on. But with the injuries and things like that, it's a lot of factors that come into you finally coming to the full culmination of the player you, you can be. And I feel like after the injuries, uh, it could have taken a confidence hit to him. After some playing time, getting that, getting that experience playing in the league uh, for full seasons and stretches and seeing how good you really can be, this is now the, the, the time where he's hit the point where he's like, okay, I understand the game from a different level. Mentally, I'm sharper, and I understand where I, where I fit, where I can dominate, the holes I can exploit in defenses and stuff like that. So Joel Embiid is taking his game to another level, and he has this team following right, following suit right behind them because defensively, they're one of the best teams in the league, and they play hard-nosed defense. And, and the, the, that's one of the biggest keys going against the Brooklyn Nets that's going to give them an edge is how um, – how physical they get with the, with those um, those offensive weapons, but yeah, Philly is playing great basketball and they're doing it from a collective effort as well because their role players are even chipping in and and, um, and being been very consistent as well. Even when Embiid and Simmons haven't been in the lineup, they find a way to win ball games. So this is an all around good team. Doc Rivers is coaching his tail off, and uh, we'll see we'll see the progression how far they go. Yeah, we we know what Philadelphia is. They're going to be measured by what they do in the postseason, right? Fact. Swept last Perfect. year. Before that, losing in five games to Boston, they 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 haven't had the best resume in a postseason. They they'll be graded by what they do in the postseason. But you're right, Mike. This Joel Embiid guy, I mean Joel Huns Embiid, Mike. I mean, like you said, you 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 can't foul the guy. He gets to the foul line about ten to twenty times a game. And and the thing is, Mike, he shoots at a high clip at the line, eighty four percent, eighty four percent. The, oh yeah. You tend to think, oh my God, if a guy's really that dominant inside, let's let's hack him. Let let's send him to the foul line. You can't do that with Embiid. He shoots out a high clip at eighty four percent, and then you know if if you give him space, he can shoot the ball. And if you body him, he's got a plethora of moves where he can manipulate the refs and get draw contact. And then sometimes he just said, "The heck with it. I'm just gonna run through you." 
to get to the basket. He's he's a load. He's a load. And that might be the recipe that may be the demise of the Nets. We'll see what happens if they were to meet up in the playoffs. But it's funny that we're saying this, Mike. The big men, I, I, there's hope, right? You know, you, you can't put Jokic in a foul line. You can't put Embiid in a foul line. They're nearly unguardable <laughs> as a force. I guess there's hope now for big men. If, if you're a young guy out there, and you're a potential big man out there, and you hear all the news in the NBA today that the in, that the big men and all of the centers are extinct. They're like dinosaurs. There's hope. There's there's really hope. Yeah, it definitely is, and it, it, it all comes down to your skill set. You know, this, this is something that these, these guys work on. These guys are big men, but they have almost guard-like talent, especially Jokic. He has almost guard-like talent. Uh, it's a skill with his ability and, and how he can see the floor and his IQ is up there. So understanding the game of basketball, getting the mental part right, and just just knocking knocking down your shots, working on your working on your game, you become more of an asset and you add more value to yourself on the when you're on the court when you can hit free throws because you could be on the court in the fourth quarter in a tight ball game. You know, a lot of those big men with the, uh, that have free throw problems, they get taken out in the fourth quarter late in ball games because they can't knock down their free throws. So you just add value to yourself as a player overall and, and it, it keeps you in the game for crucial moments yep it keeps you in the game for crucial moments there for sure but folks do not go anywhere don't even think about it because when we come back our featured guests will describe to us what happened on the events on monday night in historical fashion the sebi podcast radio show <laughs> don't go anywhere it's only heard here on wnsc radio And we are here on our second segment here on the Subby Podcast Radio Show. Folks, I am thrilled and excited for our next guest today, Mike Curtis, the uh, representative for the Syracuse men's and women's basketball here to dissect what happened on the events of Monday night and the national championship. Mike from the upstate New York, how are you today? Good, good. It's a good Wednesday. Um, Syracuse news is still breaking, so <laughs> I'm still a little bit busy. But it, man, the transfer portal is is crazy these days. Like it's like the modern day, I want to say, free agency or the trade deadline um, for college basketball. So, I mean, I've been I've been staying busy with that, but definitely glad to be here with y'all. Pleasure to have you on too. We know you were really tied up with the uh, Final Four and the tourney there uh, with. An unexpected run by Syracuse getting there to the 316. Um, let's talk about that and in, 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 in your experience um, covering the men's and the women's in, in that tournament. Yeah, for sure. So um, I actually missed the first round um, for both the men and the women. So I didn't get a chance to see um, the men beat San Diego State. Um, I had a feeling they would get it done, but you, 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 could, just, you could just tell that the energy was there with um, the run that Buddy Beheim had, man. Like, he averaged 22 points in an NCAA tournament, and it really started um, a little bit before the ACC tournament started. Like, he had he had a couple of big games against North Carolina and Clemson that kind of got him on a hot streak going into the tournament. So, um, I think the fact that they were able to get to the Sweet 16, obviously they lost to Houston, um, number two team in the country. And right, rightfully so. I mean, Houston was just – <laughs> they, they were dogs on defense. So, yeah, um, yeah it, it was definitely an unexpected run by Syracuse. And I don't think, like, any Orange fan could be disappointed with the results of what happened. Yeah, definitely, definitely sure. Um, talk to us about uh, what we saw Monday night. Monday night. I, I think that not a lot of people seen that coming. I, I did have the Baylor Bears making this close, but – I mean, if you were telling me they were going to be down 19 with five minutes into the ball game, I, I would, I would tell you, I would tell you, no. What was your biggest takeaway on on what happened Monday night in Gonzaga's route to perfection? Man, my biggest takeaway was Gonzaga hadn't played a team like that all season. <laughs> um, honestly, I, I I had Gonzaga winning the entire thing and thinking that they were going to go 32 and 0, but. 
you could just tell from the tip like that these were two different teams and Baylor really wanted it. Like yeah, <laughs> they, they, they were shooting the ball extremely well. Um, I think they made I, I think they had 10 three-pointers in the game. Um, and it, it, it was just like I think the, the the one thing that did hurt Gonzaga, um, Jalen, Jalen Suggs, he 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 got in foul trouble early, and once he went out the game, I mean, it it was pretty much over from that point. Now now they came back, um, cutting the lead to ten by like halftime, I believe, but um, they could just never recover from that from that blitz. Read that for you, W Podcast Radio Show. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mike, talk to me about that situation. You brought up a great point about not not playing a team, Gonzaga not playing a team like Baylor throughout that season. Is that going to make the committee for uh, future seasons more cautious about putting a team like Gonzaga that plays a softer schedule throughout the season? Is that going to make them more hesitant in the future to put that a team like that as a preseason number one? Um, As a preseason number one, I, I've already seen like a lot of polls um, place Gonzaga number one. Um, at either them or UCLA going forward, they had a really good run in the tournament this year. Um, they they upset my well, I want to say upset, but they beat my Michigan State Spartans in the um opening round. They right. had me sick for a couple of days. So yeah, Nick Cronin's um, got a squad coming back next year. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I think I think you got to consider like when you're doing the seeding, you definitely got to consider the strength of schedule. Um, yes. but it it just comes down to like who you beat. Um, how many games you've won. So, like, you, you can't deny that Gonzaga was not a number one team. But, I mean, Baylor was the number one team, too, and you see what happened. Yeah, and then, and then you see Baylor was more battle-tested, and you saw you saw at the end of the day how hard of it – how hard was it for Gonzaga to get up for that championship game less than 48 hours away from a, a, an emotional, grueling overtime battle? And, and that's what you I was going to bring up, Mike. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Like, like how – how 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 much how much did that game take away from them for the championship game? I think it took away a lot because if if you looked at the players, um, specifically Jalen after that UCLA game, it was like they had already won the national championship. Like yeah. <laughs> they, they, they were emotional. They they didn't know if they were going to win that game or not. It came down to the wire. Um, saw Jalen jump on the jump on the scorers bench afterwards and said he he always wanted that moment like D Wade and Kobe. Um, so it, it was like, I think they put too much stock in getting that win. It's like, like Kobe said in, in the finals that year, like, why are you not happy? You got one more game left. Job ain't done. Right. So you got to finish your breakfast and you got, you got to stay, you got to stay like completely composed until the job is actually finished and you, you, you holding that trophy up. And this is, this is what, this is what I, I thought in that game too, because Jaime Jaquez and Johnny uh, Juzang, boy, they, those guys are good, by the way. Um, they can really get a bucket. <clears throat> I thought that when you look at the X's and O's, UCLA did this for spurts of that semifinal. But mm-hmm. I, I thought for longer, uh, uh, you know, progression in the title game, Baylor exposed Gonzaga at this. So Baylor runs that three-guard offense with Marcial Teague and also Davion Mitchell and and, and also yeah. Jared Butler. Those three guys, they're going to be first-rounders in this year's draft, by the way. But um, you saw when they got a switch on Kispert, they exposed them. When they got a switch with the big and they forced Drew Timmy, who's probably been the outside of Garza, the best big in the, in, in, in the year, they exposed them in pick and rolls. And when they got that one-on-one switch, yeah. you saw Marcial dancing. You saw Jared Butler dancing. Davion Mitchell, how fast he is, he can get in the paint. And he, I thought he really set the tone early with those seven early points. So I, Baylor did what UCLA did in spurts. And I thought that was the difference because I felt that Baylor had a chance because guard play. Because we understand that if you can isolate Kispert on the offensive side, you got to make the guy work, man. As great as he is on offense, you got to make him work on defense. They exposed him. Butler posted him up. And then when they got the switch with Timmy, and, and, and with Kispert or maybe Ayayi, they, they isolated them and it was just one-on-one and they got whatever they want at whatever time they wanted. I thought that was huge for Baylor because they had guys that can just get their own and create their own shot, but also create yeah. and get others involved. I thought that was the difference. Yeah, and if you're Gonzaga, you got to score, man. You got to find easier ways to score. I mean, if you look at, if you look at Baylor, they, 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 were, they had great ball movement. 
And even if they were going one-on-one, they were getting easier shots. And they were get, they're crashing offensive glass and getting second-chance points. Right. So if, if, if you can win that rebounding battle and get those second-chance points, um, the odds will definitely be in your favor. Uh, yeah, what, what was it, what was alarming too was the glass because I thought that favored Gonzaga with Timmy and some of the other guys they had mm-hmm. inside, but Vital and Jonathan Achuawa, <laughs> can't pronounce his name. Uh, they they really set the tone defensively and then defensively, man. They made them work for everything they had. Yeah, I'm looking at the box score. They out rebounded Gonzaga 38 to 22. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's alarming. That's alarming. Go ahead, Mike. <clears throat> Yeah, I can win many games like that, but I definitely um I I, I, I want to talk about, about about you a little bit as far as your upbringing, Mike. As far as getting into this business, what inspired you to 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 become a you know a sports analyst and and and, and definitely how how did you um how did you get involved with uh, Syracuse basketball? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, well, I I start from the beginning. I, I really didn't want to be a journalist. Um, back when I was a kid. Um, the funny thing is, like, I was always drawing and drawing cartoons, drawing people. I wanted to be an artist when I was younger, but um, my mom kind of hit me that that wasn't a lucrative career at the time um, or what she thought could be lucrative. So I kind of kind of pivoted and was like, OK, well, what what involves art that I can use and still make money? So I was like, OK, I'm going to be an architectural engineer because they design the buildings, they draw them, all that. And I would be able to support my family. So <laughs> I majored in that at Tennessee State University my freshman year. Um, and I quickly found out that that was something I did not want to do. Um, like, I was not happy at all. And after my freshman year, like I think it was during that summer, um, same summer that LeBron chose to go to the Heat, um, I was just watching ESPN every day. And I, it finally clicked. Like, hey, Mike, you – You've been writing these notes on Facebook. You've been sparking debate amongst your friends. You always telling your friends, like, whenever a trade or whenever a signing happens, like, why don't you try to be a sports journalist? And I think the rest was history from there. Like, I changed my major um, my sophomore year. I got involved with our school newspaper, The Meter. And um, I graduated in 2014, but I couldn't find a job in the industry because it was it, it was so brutal. And I had a little bit of internship experience, but it wasn't, um, I would say, the internship experience I needed to compete with other individuals. Um, so I basically took two years off and was just working, uh, working customer service jobs, things I wasn't passionate about until I decided to kind of go back to grad school. Um, so I can get that student label so I can apply for those internships that I need. Um, from there, I think I got involved with um, the I, I got involved with NABJ. I got involved with NABJ and that led me to Sports Journalism Institute, which I owe my entire career to. Um, it, like if it wasn't for that program, man, I don't think I'd be in Syracuse now um, doing the things that I'm doing. It definitely like. It, it opened the floodgates for me. Um, that 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 ten day boot camp where I was able to kind of sharpen my game deadline writing, um, up my sports knowledge, and I had an internship with the Knoxville News Sentinel that summer. Um, I think it kind of set me up for getting this job at um, at Syracuse.com. So I got that back in 2018. I started as a um, high school sports writer. Did that for a couple of years and. Um, this past fall, I, I got a promotion to cover Syracuse men and women's basketball team. Nice, nice. nice. Well, what? Well, for for those out there that don't know, paint yeah. a small picture of of the NABJ experience and and the benefits and everything that you would get from it. Yeah, yeah, man. So my, I think my first NABJ was in 2017. Um, that was in New Orleans. I promise you, like, you know how expensive NAB, NABJ, NABJ is, bro. Like, I probably sacrificed so much that year um, just saving-wise. I even, I think I took out a loan to, like, get my plane ticket <laughs> and my registration and all that. But I told myself I was going to NABJ that year, and I made I made it happen. Um, but once you get there, man, it, it's a completely surreal experience because you're surrounded by so many people that you probably idolize in the business. Yep. And um, it's nothing for you to just go up <laughs> to one of them and start a conversation. 
Um, and then they, they'll be willing to engage with you and perhaps it can relate to like a mentor mentee type of relationship, um, depending on how the conversation goes. But that's that's pretty much it. And then you meet so many people who doing the same thing as you, who have the same um, struggles as you being black in this industry. Yeah. Um, that's all knowing that it's, <laughs> yeah, that's knowing it's so difficult to get in. Right. Very saturated, very saturated. That for sure. I I, I like that. I, I like that insight insightfulness because it is true. Like us as as minorities already, but when we talk about minorities, we talk about all the different ethnic backgrounds. Whether you're uh, whether you're you know Hispanic, black, whether you're um, Asian right. descent or European descent. Like it's it's a struggle, man. It's a struggle, and, and let alone being an immigrant. Uh, as for myself, you know, it's getting into this industry. You always got to be, you got to go up a notch to try to outbeat somebody of, you know, Caucasian descent or whatever. But it, it's it's hard. And yeah. in this saturated industry, you got to be, dude, you got to go over the top just to try to impress or just to try to outbeat. And so um, I, I can definitely attest to what you're talking about. And you got to have somebody out there that's advocating for you. Like yeah. in, in these rooms that you're not in yet, you got to have somebody speaking up for you. Right. Um, and I know that 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 was essential to my journey, too, because I met um, the guy that would hire me, Jason Murray. He's, he, he's now at The Washington Post now. I met him at an APSC conference right. um, back in 2018. And if it wasn't for that, that interaction um, or whatever he saw in me that day, I probably wouldn't be in Syracuse now. Right. Well, definitely, definitely a great story that you share with us there. Our favorite time of this segment of our shows, we do this with all of our guests. Um, just a yeah. great game. It, it's it's very simple, Mike. It, it's this or that. Sure. We give you scenario type questions. You just pick <laughs> this or that, or we'll probably go underrated or overrated. Um, Mike, well, the other Mike, I'll let the other Mike start that off. <laughs> Yes, sir, right. Mike. Um, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it here for this one. Okay. This or that, college basketball or NBA basketball, as far as your for your preference and covering. Um, I've never covered an NBA basketball game. Oh. Okay. <laughs> but if I had to choose, I would definitely um say NBA because that's my um ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. okay. All right. Well, look at that. We might be looking at the next David Aldridge. Okay. I like that. I like that. That's the goal. <laughs> this yeah. or that, because um, obviously this was this was a big thing uh, in in Syracuse uh, history. So uh, there there was a photo that um, you know Buddy Behind was with Mello in '03 yeah. when he won the title and he was running around as a kid and Mello was playing with them. So um, yeah. Overrated or underrated? Like uh, Buddy Behind's run, it's probably not what Mellow's was, but Buddy Behind's run was it overrated or underrated? As in terms of like going down in like Syracuse lore. Um, that's a good question because you got so many good Syracuse players, and I think Buddy Beheim is um a phenomenal shooter. He's definitely one of the best shooters to ever play at the school. Yeah. Um, he's definitely better than his father who played at the school and they'll, they'll go back and forth um, when you ask them who's better like they're always like a fun interview but I think I think Buddy Bayham, he, he he's in his own lane uh, when it comes to Syracuse and he, he if he if they who knows if he would have kept going maybe he would have had maybe he would have been talked of being in um, NBA draft conversations um, I, I already saw his name in a couple articles, so we'll see what he does next season. I know next season will be his final season. Um, so if if he's able to thrive and keep that keep up that same intensity and same um, production that he showed in the tournaments th- this season, I think the sky's the limit for him. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go this or this or that. Clubs or kickbacks? Kickbacks <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I'm gonna be thirty next 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 month, bro. I, I can't do the club. <laughs> I feel you. Man. I feel you. I feel you on that. Sometimes we just want to chill. Okay. Okay. I yeah. like that. I like that. Um. Here, here's one. This or that. Uh, a trip to Brazil or a trip to Greece. 
Mm, that's a good point. That's a really good question. Um, Michael Brazil. Yeah, I'm gonna go Brazil. Brazil. I'm gonna go Brazil. I'm a, I, I think the scenery would be better. Um, maybe the food as well. So I'm gonna go with Brazil. Okay, so we so we got both mics like in Brazilian women. That's what I'm understanding, huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Go ahead, Mike. But yeah, um, overrated or underrated? Kyrie Irving's season this year. Um, underrated. I think it's definitely underrated what Kyrie's doing right now. I don't think a lot of people are paying attention. They're paying a lot of attention to his off the court um activity, and <laughs> rightfully so. I mean, if if, if you're not going to be around the team, you got to let the team know. That was earlier in the season, but you can say when he's on the court, he's giving you everything he got. Mm-hmm. Overrated or okay. underrated, um, Nikola Jokic. <sighs> I used to be one of those guys that say he was overrated, but I think I think Big Jokic is the real deal. <laughs> he, he's he's definitely their best um, facilitator by far on that team, um, and probably their best player. I, I like I like um, I like I really like Murray, but you definitely got to give Jokic a lot of credit because he can. He can shoot. He can he can play inside. Um, he's clutch. We saw him hit like I, I think it, he hit a um, buzzer beater in the playoffs last season in the bubble. Um, but you you got to give it to Jokic, man. Can't take nothing away from. Him. I, I say I say this. Uh, this this or that. Pancakes or waffles. Waffles. Mm, mm. Waffles easily. What about French toast, man? I'm a French toast guy. Ah. <laughs> uh... I would say I don't know. I, I I would still say waffles, but French toast probably definitely better than pancakes. Got gotcha. you. This or that? Um, late night dinner with your friends or brunch during the day with your friends? Man, you know I'm a millennial, so I gotta go. We brunch. gotta go brunch. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go. I'm brunch. Trying to listen to some R and B and some brunch. Okay, okay. I respect that. I respect that. I respect that. Yeah. This or that? Um. For your for your grits, do you put salt and pepper in your grits or sugar? Um, I've only had grits probably one time, bro. I'm not even gonna lie. And I would, I think I I had sugar in them. If I'm not mistaken. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's different. I usually put salt and pepper in mine. Okay. okay. I gotta try. I've, that. I've I've had I've had it with with like cheese and grits. I put a little salt and pepper. Yeah. yeah I've I've had both. I've had both. I've got both. Um, overrated or underrated? Um, this is interesting. I wanted to know. Um, overrated or underrated? Shakira. Shakira, the yeah, the, the uh, public figure, like the artist. Yeah. Uh, I ain't gonna lie. I don't. I've, I don't think I've heard any of her music. I'm not real hip to Shakira. Okay. So I guess maybe. Underrated? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I recognize the name, but I'm not real familiar. Who? Uh, this or that? Whose album are you looking forward to the most this year? J Cole or Meek Mill? J Cole, Cole World, man. Cole, 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 my favorite Cole, artist. Cole, um, it's, been, it's been a long That's time. A 2018, I That's believe. That's a cold man, yeah. and we and and he's trying out for the 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 Pistons G League team. So let's hope the brother makes the team there for sure as well um we'll wrap this up with um with the this last question um uh here for you today my man um this or that e40 or dmx dmx is a goat man i'm telling all all, all prayers to x right right now because i know he's going through a real tough time but i gotta go with dmx prayers and thoughts definitely for dmx for sure yeah for sure it was a pleasure man very short-lived but uh, we appreciated you coming to the uh to podium and in our panel today enlighten us with some syracuse ball uh reviewing what happened in the title game and and sharing your story and your background um to us today uh definitely gotta hit you back up as a returning guest on our show And, and mike for you uh hooking this up too oh yeah no doubt no doubt i appreciate you having i appreciate you having uh coming on the show for us man uh, you know, it's all love after this. We'll definitely see you soon, for sure. 
No problem, y'all. Thanks again for having me. Um, hopefully, we can do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. for sure. And folks, if you want to connect with Mr. Mike Curtis below on all his endeavors in Syracuse basketball, the description to his stuff will be below. But when we come back, we wrap things up. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show, live inside Studio Z. And we are back here on our third and final segment here today, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. We can't end the show without talking about the MLB season starting up, Mike, and also the NFL season. A lot of great stuff that is about going on in two weeks' time. We know we've got our own version of Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper coming. The Guru, another return for the Guru, our main guy. And also Daniel Alameda, they're going to be our Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay to dissect the NFL draft and how that's going to be. So two weeks time, we'll be gearing up for that. Um, but a, a lot of stuff is going on, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on. This, this is one of the best times of the year. You know, we got basketball coming up. Playoffs is on the rise. Like you said, the draft is coming up. There's a lot of things going on in the sports world right now when things are starting to heat up in every field. So uh, it's, it's definitely a great time. I'm looking forward to, you know, enjoying this journey. We're definitely looking forward to that there for sure. This is the part where Mike gets to shine bright. The mic is yours. And make your closing arguments for today. Yeah, one of my closing arguments is um, uh, know your audience. That's one of the keys of my um, know your audience and understand yourself. Because uh, I just read a story about a former football player named Philip Adams who um, who recently killed himself along with five other people. Killed himself after, after killing uh, uh, another family. Uh, he was a former football player. He played for the 49ers, the Falcons, and a couple of other teams. Yeah. But he was a nice safety coming out of South Carolina State. And it's just an unfortunate situation because um, we hear about these stories sometimes with uh, former football players, and we always um, find ourselves sometimes aligning, you know, some of these uh, situations with potential CTE or potential mental health problems or things like that nature. So one of the things that my closing argument for today, the basis of that is know your audience, understand your friends, um, even if they tell you I'm good, understand body languages. If you know your you know your friend, your brother, your family members, you know them better than anybody. Yeah. So uh, so don't don't be hesitant to make that don't don't be to make that move to get them the extra help they need if they don't want it. They they, they might not be in the right mind frame to know if they need help or not. So you being the friend, you being the brother, you being the 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 the, the OG in the situation. Look out for your friends. Look out for your loved ones. Um, and pay attention. Pay attention. Know your audience. And uh, because it's, it's, it's getting crazy out here. Agreed, Mike. You always trust your intuition. Got to yep. be observant and, uh, and pay attention to details because only exactly. you and all of your loved ones would know about your loved ones um, more exactly. than, than any other outsider. I agree with that. Although I'm surprised you didn't bring up the Paul Pierce saga, man. Getting kicked oh. out of ESPN. I thought that that, that would be uh, the, the, the hot take and a hot story to yeah, that was that was um the, the, that was definitely geared up, but that I, it's just it's a story I saw recently that happened this morning. But the the Paul Pierce situation is tricky for me, Sebby, because Paul Pierce is a very strategic brother, and he's a very uh, understanding brother. And I doubt that he would get on IG live and get on a situation like that, knowing the repercussions of of his actions, knowing right. that ESPN would not allow that um w- without like willingly, just willingly, willy nilly like that. I don't I, I doubt Paul Pierce would be that careless. So that's why it's a tricky situation for me. I don't know what the motive was. I don't know what his angle was, but it it, it, it obviously got him got him uh, fired from ESPN. And we'll see what his career lies. At the end of the day, his name is still Paul Pierce. We'll see if he wants to go independent, work for um you know work for himself, or, or try to do do another business ventures and stuff. But yeah, Paul Pierce. Uh, I don't know what his angle was because, as far as I'm concerned, he's a very calculated brother. And if if, if he if he wasn't you know. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what his angle was. If he wasn't trying to do it on purpose, I don't. I don't. I don't get it. I don't know what it, what his motive was because it wasn't smart. If he was trying to keep his job at ESPN, right? I would agree there as well too, Mike. Like you work for Disney. Disney. Disney alone has its image. You got to be able to know what, what what's that. So I. That does more to that story. I feel like yeah. Um, that we I don't know like about. That. But I gotta admit, Mike, you were close. You were close to that last week's argument talking about. 
you might see 33s in a game. That Atlanta, <laughs> that Atlanta game against the Pelicans, Atlanta Ooh. got hot in that third quarter. They made Man, 11 straight. 11. Hey, you might be on to something. We, we <laughs> might we might see that before the season ends. It might be before the playoffs. The way I'm saying, I, I thought I was gearing for the playoffs, but it looks like it might happen in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, for sure. I mean, Atlanta got hot. I mean, everybody was shooting it. We know Trey Young can shoot, but Hunter, and then you had the list goes on. They were really shooting it um, from distance, too. Like, we're talking, like, they, they were shooting that from, like, Damon Curry, yeah. It's like yo, they were practicing with Trey uh, in, uh, in the off days. Yo, they're, they're shooting that from Augusta, where the Masters are today. Shooting Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. Good stuff to watch. The Sebi Podcast Studio Show. As usual, we'll see you guys next week. Hey everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show. And frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our itunes and spotify and remember you can stay locked in here and connected sevipodcast.info link for the latest news articles interviews and much more and remember wherever you're listening on air or online the sevipodcast is wherever you go